Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Dr. Kid, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So, it's come to this. Ooh, baby. Yeah. It has. It has come to this. It has come to this. Oh, that's the name of the podcast. I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Charlie. And it has come to this, and it's come to a big one. This is a good one. Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. I'm very uh, excited that it's come to this yeah. <laughs> this week, I gotta well, say. I think before we started this uh, podcast, now well into the 30s. In oh, yeah. We're 30-something now. Jeez. Officially. <laughs> and we haven't even started our 30-something pod yet. No. that Well, I was going to say that yeah. when we do our TV podcast, mm-hmm. it starts with 30-something, then it works back. You know, I'm, I just turned 39. If we're going to start our 30-somethings <laughs> pod, I don't want to be that the asshole who's 40-something talking about 30-something. Well, this is uh, 40, maybe, then we do. This is 40. When you turn 40 <laughs> for this show? Movie? No, we got to appeal <laughs> to our the, first Paul we gotta appeal to the Busfield fans out there. That's okay. That's why 30-something. But when we started this podcast and we wrote out a list of, you know, uh, the 1900 top choices that we wanted to watch and review yeah you know our short list we we got together we said how many episodes do you want to do we both landed on 1900 and and we said all right start picking out movies yeah this was in there but no this is big because this is the first john carpenter directed film that we've seen that's right yeah um if you go back in our history we did halloween three season of the witch which he produced and did the music, the music for right. and maybe got a story credit for, but this is the first John Carpenters, the yeah. the official John Carpenters, the yeah. the yeah with with the name above the title, mm-hmm. which you love to see. Love it. I love to see it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the first one we've gotten. To. Does anyone else do that? I was kind of thinking that earlier, <laughs> and off the top of my head, the only one I could think of was Tyler Perry. It's Tyler Perry and John Carpenter. They both no, got that's, it. That's a thing directors do. Oh, well. Like you said, you know people refer to them as that. Right. Like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Exactly. But it but wasn't billed as that. You don't, it's not Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's uh, I don't know. But Francis John, Ford Coppola's Jack. But also, is there a cooler name than just John Carpenter? There's just yeah, something a, sharp and biting to that kind of name that well, he's, and the way he does it. I mean, I think that's just because he's attached in name to 12 of the best genre movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if he was just the third sibling of the Carpenters. Right. Then it's like, oh man, Karen produced and John. by John Carpenter. How badass is that? <laughs> That's so cool. He did everything he could to get the name Carpenter away from the Carpenters. Yeah, a, We're going in another direction you know, with this thing. He doesn't bid them any ill will. He just had a very, <laughs> <we> know of. <laughs> very different idea of what a soundtrack should sound like well there you go yeah um, and man suddenly <laughs> these birds appeared and before you before you could say go man i love how this score of the movie hits before we see anything that's right we, yeah we fade to we point. haven't even said the title of the movie yeah. yet you don't even know what which movie we're talking it's about because we're starting new york okay baby. it's escape from new york john oh. carpenter's escape from new york oh so good <laughs> 
I love this music intro. We're going to talk all about the music. I want to talk a little bit about our history with this movie. Sure. You were very excited for this one. Very excited. This is uh, definitely one of my top top carpenters. Mm-hmm. I feel like it goes The Thing and then Escape from New York and then Halloween and Christine and, yeah. <laughs> you know. You're doing an on-the-spot top 12 I, right here. <laughs> crazy. Here we go. <laughs> Count them down. But, but man, Escape from New York, it's not the most action-packed of his movies. It's not the scariest of his movies, but it might be just the coolest. Coolest, it definitely has a claim to. Of his to. movies. 100% has a claim to cool. Uh, and uh, I love all the characters. I love all the uh, set pieces. And it's one of those where I've, it's... It's one I saw early, mm-hmm. you know, in my uh, probably before I even saw Halloween, the first Halloween. Like this one, I definitely saw as a young man. Sure. And uh, but you were, I, I remember hearing you were excitedly talking to your spouse about Snake Plissken. Well, yeah, this uh, is the first time we'd seen it on the big screen, right? We've watched it together definitely. a couple of times, but ne- I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen screen. it on the big screen. Did Neil not do it as a? It was it was part of the cult movie series. We ever go been to. done. This is probably mm. like the biggest cult movie that we haven't done at one of these screenings. It's kind of the ult- like one of the ultimate cult yeah. movies. For a, th- for, a, for a thing that's been around for six or seven years, I really don't think they've shown mm. Escape from New York. Well, they did. And they did. And it, it ruled. Yeah, we anticipated that. So I have, uh, I have much less personal history with this movie. This was one of the uh, weirdly middle of the the way Carpenter movies I saw. Is that right? Because just due to when uh, the movies came out, Escape from L.A. came out when I was like oh, 14 yeah. or 15. Man, I was kind of I was kind of like, do we talk about Escape from L.A.? Escape from L.A. holds up in a lot of ways. It's... It, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think people I'll, think I'm about... I'm not sure I'm going <laughs> to... No. Escape Maybe from our LA, definition of a lot is nah, uh, different. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. All right. We're going to have we a full definitely Escape, saw Escape from, LA, from L.A. as a group, too. But we're talking about Escape from New York here. Snake Plissken, one of the great that, anti-heroes. So, yeah, I knew of this movie. Yeah. And this movie, the first time I saw it, this is the one that snowballed my obsession with horror and genre movie scores. Mm-hmm. This is the one that made me start grabbing up old records. Uh, before, that then became a thing where, oh, now there's just a bunch of companies that release horror movie soundtracks as a thing right this is great so this is like the boom period but this was the one where i was like oh wait a minute genre movie music is amazing like before i even noticed the halloween score the famous theme this was the score that first jumped out at me that main title of escape from new york and we had it requested (laughs) to be played loud yeah uh, if you saw the movie with us last night, you're welcome. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we told we, Neil we turn pleaded. it up, and Neil, th- and then he goes, yeah, you know, it actually the the it's a little low on both of these movies. To yeah, so we should. I was like, yes, turn it up. Obviously, turn. What it are you up. doing? Please do. You've got a John Carpenter score playing in the big screen. Turn it up. Yeah. Because you are sitting in fully renovated theater sound, right. hearing arguably like the greatest, and my entry point into genre movie scores like this sci-fi kind of score oh but i love we brought it up before we mentioned the movie title yeah we start hearing this first little synth Mm -hmm. before we see anything right and the second the screen goes black like the lights had just come out in the in the theater 
right. boom, just turned down and then already. And I love how through a couple, two or three of the songs on the score, you builds them up. They start really quiet and then they just keep like getting that volume edged up. Other synths come in, they start getting layered and oh, the way this thing is built, the sound just puts you right there. Right. And the visuals are just the credits. It's just white text on the black mm-hmm. screen. But then the, that white text on the black screen, nothing but genre legends <laughs> and it's in just, this It's thing. a murderer's row. It's it a who's an, who. It's absurd. The, every name that comes up starts like Kurt Russell, and the crowd's like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then it's like, by the 10th name, it's like, geez, we all know all these people. <laughs> like, we can't, you know. It's like Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, Lee Van Cleef, you know, Tom Atkins, like, Tom Atkins. I forgot he was in this movie. Yeah. There's so many people in this movie. I also <laughs> forgot Tom Atkins was in it. I forgot. Here's the thing. I've seen this movie like three times. I forgot Donald Pleasance was the president. Because <laughs> the movie has 12 cool genre actors. That Seriously. It's like, oh, that's right. Pleasance is the guy. There's The cast also has like seven guys who could feasibly have played the president. Mm-hmm. Think of the role switching in this movie. Harry Dean Stanton is the president. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is the weird president. Adrian Barbeau is our big, Madam president. big bosomed Madam <laughs> President. <laughs> She'd have been a great president. Yeah. That would have been cool. All these characters, oh, just swap swap, swap these around. That's, <laughs> that's the genius of this huge A-list cast. So all these names are coming through on white. And I love those vector graphics we get. Mm-hmm. The, the very... I have a lot of questions about Escape from New York, oh, man. <laughs> I'm happy to answer all of your questions. Yeah. I love no. <laughs> our blunt introduction. It's like, the year 1988, crime has risen 400%. 400%. So That's it. There's no. It's just like, look, man, things got bad. 400% from what? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, things got really bad, and this happened. Well, I love that the text comes up with that. It says that in the text, and then a voiceover starts. Yeah. And you're like, did... Did they not know that the text was up? Or <laughs> and then because she keeps start. talking, yeah. you know. Then she describes how, uh, because of the crime rate going up, the government has now blocked off the island of Manhattan and made it the one big prison where they just dump people in yeah. there. And it's with no law. You're in on there. your own, kind of a There's thing. There's no no cops inside. Which to me seems of. ridiculous. That just means like we just turned Manhattan into walled off rape city. Well, <laughs> like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Well, they've got crazies in the in the suburb, uh, yeah. suburbs in the uh, sewers. <laughs> they got the crazies in the sewers. They've got the the Duke who runs it. But yeah, it's it's uh, you're on your own. But Manhattan, it's true. Like it is just like the purge. Why not Long Island? Manhattan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like Manhattan. Gave up Manhattan. Like they've got gave it up like and that. And this is in the eighties, so they've got the the trade, you know, the World Trade Center. They've got the Empire State Buildings. Like you're abandoning those buildings, yeah. And you've just got Long Island just sitting out there. Look, it wasn't an easy decision. <laughs> we don't know what happened. Or in the all years. of Michigan just kind of get that <laughs> Dude, mitten uh, how, wrap like, around wall. We have the, the Dakotas, Great Lakes, great. A lot of space out in Montana. There's a lot of space Wyoming. out in those flatlands, man. Yeah. Do you know how easy it would be to dump criminals <laughs> in the badlands of freaking Wyoming? Or just wall off like Florida, you know, yeah. from the yes. panhandle over. We're giving up New York? We're giving up Manhattan. Manhattan, yeah. Uh, and not even long out. Like, <laughs> that's the one that, honestly, that's the only part of the movie that I don't buy. Yeah. Is like, no. The, pe- no. Or, the rich people would not be giving up their Manhattan lofts. Or U.S would now finally be like, 
all right, we're finally going to really acknowledge Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, we need you, and we're dumping all these people Puerto there. Rico. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's already an island. There's not even bridges. Welcome, welcome to the Union. Yeah, welcome to the Guess Union. Guess what? Whew. <laughs> we got some news oh, for you. Puerto Rico, this is going to hurt. That's got to hurt. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, already there's just so many questions that I have just like, man, a lot of this seems really, we're just jumping into it. I both mm-hmm. love how the movie doesn't explain anything while leaving some pretty sky-wide gaps. <laughs> Uh, And we're just like, ah, okay, we're jumping in this. Because then my next set of questions. We soon meet Snake Plissken. We do. But it seems like the big crux of Snake going into this New York Mm -hmm. happens coincidentally at the time Snake Plissken is getting rung up on whatever charges they don't actually say. He's going into jail. Mm Mm-hmm. And Air Force One crashes into the worst place the president's plane can crash into. <laughs> in, into Why the Manhattan prison. Why are they flying over it? Why are they even close to it? Yeah. Why go near New York? Never. Not even, not even in, well, so the plane does get taken over by terrorists. That's true. Or, or the, you know, rebel group. One guy does but, a couple of shoulder shrugs. Yeah. To get that door open. Uh. <laughs> the weakest <laughs> Secret Service uh, guy on Air Force with one, like man. he's just like this blonde guy in a stash, just like <clears throat> trying to get the door open. <laughs> he <clears throat> is just kind of lightly <clears throat> bumping his shoulder like a dozen times straight <laughs> in the exact same way. Just <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> but then obviously <clears throat> that yeah, the woman is taking over the plane. She's gonna crash it into New- maybe into New York on purpose. Mm. Uh, so I do like that world building, though, because you don't get a lot of info. You just yeah, get jump in. crime rate has spiked. Manhattan's a prison. We jump from 88 to 97 now. I love mm-hmm. that title yeah, card. Yeah, 1997. Now. now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but the world building happens when you know that there's this rebel faction who's hijacking a plane to get their th- message yeah. across. And you know that there's this uh, unrest and this totalitarian government takeover happening and you know there's a soviet union and a china and there's a, a peace summit the president's on his sure. way to a peace summit but i just yeah all that world building kind of just gets i'm really happy set into it that we don't hear about any of that oh yeah how many other sci-fi movies would have spent a hard 15 explaining the difficulties between russia and china <laughs> and the u.s and we would have gotten another 20 with these civil unrest organizers. Right. We would have gotten to see their resistance. It's like nobody wants to see 2020's two hour and 35 minute long escape from New York. No. It fleshes that out. That's not how John Carpenter works. No. Which is what's so great about this this movie is that the story is so simple that you can kind of just get into it and get into the characters. Because like you said, Snake, uh, I think Lee Van Cleef actually does say... Uh, you know, you rob the Federal Reserve or something. Sure, I knew effect. he was uh, in for armed robbery. So, uh, yeah, he he's about to be put into the Manhattan Island prison anyways when this yeah. president's plane crashes. So he's given 24 hours. You get in, you get out with the president and the tape that you need, and uh, we'll let you go. Yeah. St- well, pretty also, straightforward. You'll die if you don't because we injected you. Right. Um, so, so Kurt Russell's entrance. Kurt Russell. Could you figure out those pants? I, I thought that first they were like jeggings kind of thing, like spandexy mm-hmm. pants. They look like Zumbas kind of a thing. Yeah, but like super tight Zubas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, uh, not the breathability of other somebody Zubas. Somebody described them online when I was looking up 
stuff about this movie as uh, snow camouflage pants. They like, were really tight. Tight enough that they looked like... <laughs> but they also didn't look restricting. Looked like you had some crotch room to play with. You know? You know? A little I bit wasn't of really looking room. at the crotch, I guess. We were sitting third row in a movie theater. That's at true, some but point, you know what? Crotch was, was I mean, I was going to talk about it eventually. Let's just say it. His hair. Yeah, he has a great head of hair. Snake Plissken's hair was just... And, and he made sure to use it. Every scene, he's twirling his head around there as fast as he can. To, so you this. can watch this hair just move. It was gorgeous. That feathery flow, man. And he's got the perfect 5 o'clock shadow, you know, the stubble. He's got the iconic eye patch. He's got uh, the jacket that almost looks like Nick Cage and Wild at Heart, like yeah. snakeskin type jacket. Yeah, that beat up ass brown brown jacket. And the uh, I love the little future touch carpenter puts on it by having his tank top be zipper shut <laughs> up on the shoulders sure. you know he could have just had him zips. wearing a black tank top but he's going a little bit extra mile mm-hmm. the costuming is something i that really jumped out at me for the whole movie mm. the the almost warriors style gang attire of these different factions all the crazies were u- weirdly kind of uniformly dressed mm. like you see one of them Away from the pack, they're like, nah, that guy's dressed like the crazies. <laughs> Definitely part of the subway you crazies can see him coming, who come yeah. out at night. You know it. And, you know, the Dukes gang, they all had that weird, like, tech guy for Adam Ant mm-hmm. look <laughs> to them, you know? like It's a perfect, like, post-apocalyptic. It, it almost looks like they took, like, the Road Warrior cast and sure. put them in New York. You know, yeah. it's got that same kind of, yeah, tattered, crazy, assembled... Uh, you know how many bodies did the you know they pick those clothes from? Oh yeah, to make those you know kind of these right? Frankenstein outfits, right? We'll get to Frankenstein later. Well, that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I love just the coincidence of like the president went down. Oh shit, snakes coming through. Totally. Like we should well, get him to do this. Yeah, I. That's the one scene where they kind of go straight to him offering him the gig. You don't see the scene where they go, "What do we do?" And they're like, "You know, he just showed up." Yeah, snake. Yeah. snake that's a seat I would have liked. That would have been great because that could have been the first time where one of them could have said, "I thought he was dead." <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think Snake's dead. Everybody <laughs> thinks Snake's dead. Literally everybody in this the, yeah. movie. The first thing they say about him is that they thought he was dead. That's yeah. one of my favorite running jokes. I for do like sure. that. Uh, <laughs> in the same way that Roadhouse, like Dalton, is the somehow world-renowned bouncer mm-hmm. like bouncers have like reps across yeah. the nation oh, i like in this one that uh snakes like the criminal with a reputation among criminals mm-hmm. he's the criminal the, the other criminals are like oh shit snake's still alive like oh I, you know well what in one of my favorite parts in the beginning when uh lee van cleef sits snake down lee van cleef's the the police commissioner mm-hmm. uh and if you don't know him uh just is he's in the good the bad and the ugly he's a spaghetti western legend yeah this is great kind of late career genre work he's amazing a lot, in this a lot movie. of wonderful he's why i don't remember that tom atkins is in it because atkins has to share basically every scene and mm-hmm. lee van cleef is just so magnetic atkins, that you just only look at him yeah all atkins the time. straight mans for van cleef it's Right, can't be Atkins easy. gets to be the guy bringing the business side totally. of the military. Yeah. Van Cleef gets the the flourish. Right, it's kind of like Atkins in uh, Maniac uh, Maniac Cop, uh-huh. where he's just you <laughs> he's know the, it's Bruce Campbell's pro. show, but Atkins has to be there to help him out. Well, that's why I think Carpenter gave Atkins some some meteor. Uh, you know, well, 
next movie I write is gonna be Halloween three. You'll get right. to be. Uh, <laughs> we'll bed you up with uh, Stacy Nelkin. <laughs> we'll. Uh, you know exactly every other movie. Atkins, oh, I'm sure Atkins is not yeah. complaining. The year before, he's, he's like in the fog. He's like, yeah, yeah you right. get to pick up young Jamie Lee Curtis as a hitchhiker <laughs> and immediately bed her. <laughs> but I'm gonna need you to be like kind of a background military guy and escape from exactly. It's a good uh, deal. Yeah, Atkins took the deal. He took it, man. He yeah. he, he does well, but Lee Van Cleef yeah, is Lee Van, just. It's one of those breed I love of him like so much uh, in this movie. great 50s and 60s western and. uh dramatic actors who were then older and getting genre work by the 80s you know rory calhoun and uh chuck connors oh yeah in uh, tourist trap so it's like you got lee van cleef doing a sci-fi garden this manhattan prison wall character with one of the more distracting earrings (laughs) in movie history (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lee Van Cleef's solid hoop earring is that's so how you know it's awesome. the future too. That's like his little uh, his little futurist. Like in the future, yeah, police commissioners will wear earrings. The rest of thing. Lee Van Cleef looks like a guy who stomped faces yeah. of people wearing earrings. Well, so when he's given uh, Snake Plissken the deal here, he's he's got his you know thirty eight special in his hand. He's he's reading off Snake's. You know, list of accomplishments, youngest guy to ever get this award or that award. and But then he, yeah, robs the Federal Reserve. He's got life in prison. I'm about ready to kick your ass out of the world, war yeah. hero. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. Like, One of the best readings of in, any yeah. line. I don't want to even put you in New York. I w- I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world, war hero. Fuck, I love that God, line. Guy's a war hero. It's a, it's a goddamn war hero. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know... Kurt Russell comes back and he basically just plays it like Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it's a and modern western. It's uh, it's you know, very in cool. the same way that like They Live mm-hmm. is a western. Now that one's more overt. That's got western oh, yeah. tinges all throughout the score. It's clearly played like a western. Well, Carpenter had always said that he grew up loving westerns. Mm-hmm. He basically, you know, Howard Hawks is a big influence, obviously, with the thing. But uh, yeah, it, it plays like tough guys in a western. Mm-hmm. Each guy is just the you know the you bravado can see this, this and whole, this plot is basically the tough guy you know, stuff is it's just the, classic. the searchers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's them looking for kidnapped Natalie Wood. They're oh. looking for the kidnapped Donald yep. Pleasants, the present. Now, I am a fan of Donald Pleasance in general. Oh yeah, the guy, but this guy piles on some Black Forest ham points. <laughs> I know people. Some people have very complicated relationships with their Donald Pleasance fandom. I think uh, all the Forever Midnight guys hate Donald Pleasance. That can't what be right. Bring, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I think Josh and I have talked. I think he is very virulently. But he loves Prince of Darkness, doesn't he? Prince of Darkness is his favorite movie. Hmm. And Donald Pleasance might just be the guy. Donald Pleasancing it up because <laughs> this movie he well dude he's so, at peak Pleasance so this in this guy, movie talk about a guy being set up for the worst couple like worst evening of his life <laughs> President's plane goes down amongst the worst people I mean what a Looney Tunes plot that is you know yeah Roadrunner going down in a pack of his family of coyotes <laughs> and uh as Air Force One's going down, he's got this briefcase handcuffed to his wrist. And they put 
this wrist tracker on him that is like a oh, gigantic yeah. supercomputer bulkily around his wrist with like beeping lights and shove him in this tiny little egg-shaped pod. The little pod, It like yep. kind of gets pooped out of the back of Air Force One, so he saves this crash. But in the event of them going down to New York, I love how they're like, look, just wear this gigantic beeping flashing sensor, and <laughs> then we'll know where to get you. Yeah. Like, that thing is going to get... It checks out. That thing is going to get... His wrist is going to just get bone-sawed through just to remove that within four seconds of discovery. <laughs> they are setting him up with a big kick-me sign mm-hmm. right on his back. Well, I think uh, he's lucky that the, the prisoners who do capture him have a kind of different plan. They, yeah. they keep him hostage because they're going to use him to get out of uh, of the island. So, yeah, they... Yeah. The, the, Luckily, the, the prisoners that found him weren't the crazies. But what's funny somebody is Somebody with exactly, an actual plan. Exactly. The, the Duke gets him. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody knows. As that. Ernest Borgnine will tell you in a second. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, he's he's. Uh, they cut his finger off, right? Mm-hmm. And but they never bothered to take the briefcase off of his wrist. Yeah, I love the next time we see the president. They never bothered he has to the like, whole briefcase still. <laughs> like just chained nobody's to him. looked into it. It's closed, hanging from him. Uh, his wrist. Yeah, as he's like. If you found a wall. dead body tomorrow, <laughs> and he had Listeners a li- briefcase handcuffed to his wrist, the very first question I am answering is, what is in that briefcase? Sure. This is a dead man who is obviously <laughs> carrying something very important that he did not want to lose. If anything's handcuffed to you... <laughs> But that you've done to yourself, it's important to you. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. The very first thing I would want to know is like, God, I I know this guy's dead. I need to know what's in this briefcase. <laughs> like, I need to I need to put this story together. I need to know. And so we keep getting introduced to these this wonderful cast. This warm, loving cast <laughs> of these great genre legends. Snake Plissken, already great. Established great from first second on the screen. So this is like just the the most badass of the badass. Yeah, just doesn't give a fuck. And everyone else in the movie, though, you could make a strong argument that it is like among their greatest genre appearances. This might be. I know Repo Man is classic, mm-hmm. but something about Harry Dean Stanton's kind of whiny, vulnerable con man routine. <laughs> It was really great to me. Yeah. The guy who thinks he's somehow gotten a bad shake <laughs> when really he's the guy who I don't really understand his relationship with anybody because it seems like he's the dude who every prisoner wants to just destroy. Well, he also somehow just gets into all of the primo situations. Yeah. They, they call him the brain or yeah. brain. Uh, he's working a his, huge his, grift even that though seems Snake, ready to burst. Snake obviously knows him as Howard or something, right? Uh, and keeps calling him that. But uh, yeah, I think he's just the brain because he's slightly smarter than <laughs> yeah. everyone else. He has like just a slightly tiny... above average intelligence. He's like, what's he's the highest point in New York? Oh, the Twin Towers. Yeah, that's where his thing is. Like, yeah, anyone probably should have been able to figure that one out. You yeah. know, the, the the things that he like reveals or figures out is like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah. going to go for the bridge uh, that's the way out? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Brain. <laughs> yeah. So the bridge that you've got the map to so you can avoid the mines? Yeah, you kind of get the one? sense that it was given to him as like an ironic nickname. 
And then after a while, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, no, they actually believe oh, yeah, like, this. Check out the big brain the on big Howard. The big brain on Howard over here. <laughs> telling us to go to the highest point. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, two plus two. Thanks, also, Howard. Also, I'm really impressed by... So by the time Snake Plissken gets into his like glider plane that he's supposed to land on top of the World Trade Center... Lee Van Cleef has just spent seven straight minutes giving him nothing but directions. <laughs> and by the time Kurt Russell's getting this glider plane, I would be like, wait, so hold on. <laughs> Which, because uh, the guy like just gave like, okay, so you're going to take two blocks, then you're going to take a right. Then you need to go <laughs> left there, but only if it's a Thursday because they clean the street. And at a certain point, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because uh, right. Kurt Russell's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's Got acting it. like he's done, he's gone to find the president like four different occasions. Well, he gets all that instruction, and then they inject him with the explosives into his neck. So now he's a little preoccupied with, yeah. you know, the the fact that his head's going to blow up in 24 hours. But he has to do a hard landing on this world. They took the most complicated route through the, was that confusing to you? I didn't get that at all because it seemed like it's a straight shot over the water. They're like flying straight to, you know, the biggest location. And he's like, do you got it in your sights? He's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. And And then he takes a hard right and takes us through like a huge... I think He was playing with himself. They had to just wanted to show off their vector graphics like that blow up the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I read about those graphics is that uh, those aren't actually computer graphics. They had to like... Build a model, yeah. Put like white tape over black and film it because the the computer model didn't show up. Oh wow! Well enough. So that's actually like model flying over with the the. And yet they still the chose to take an extremely long time to get oh, to the World Trade Center. Time. So they went through that arduous process of filming it, and they're like. Let's have uh, Snake take a trip through all the burrows. I think so. Before landing on this, I mean, this you, tower. You made it, right? Film it. But yeah, but every there's several scenes of like the uh, prison complex, the wall, and then it's a straight shot to the towers. <laughs> yeah, you can see the towers They're the first thing from you're going to hit. And so, yeah, <laughs> at the Statue of Liberty like base, which is great. And, and he's like flying in at... I don't get the, like, he's flying in at building level. And it's like, <laughs> why are you cutting so low? You're going to the highest building in the city. I didn't, Yeah, he didn't have an engine on that plane, so he had to, like, get up yeah. altitude. Because, yeah, he comes in low, and he's, like, swooping around like uh, Iron Man this or something. This movie felt like it should have been, like, seven minutes long. Like, Snake <laughs> just plows into a building, they're yeah. like... It kind of takes a while for him to get into Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, and, oh, like we, it's it's a good 20 minutes before he has actually boots on the ground. Well, yeah, because then he's at the top of the World Trade Center Tower, and he's like, freight elevator will get you 50 foes. The last 50, you're on your own. It's like, so then we're just, and we're reminded of how long it's taking Real Snake time. to get into Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Because he checks his countdown watch <laughs> about a, what, two dozen times? About every two minutes, yeah, he's checking <laughs> he's really that watch. Like, yeah, so he's got this 22-hour countdown clock, mm-hmm. and we are seeing just... it. It Suddenly, the movie turns into an episode of 24. It really does. <laughs> it does. because and, and he looks at it for like eight seconds he at a time. so long. Like, it's like 22, 19, 18, 17. You're like, yeah, you should be able to know what time it is yeah. by now, Snake. <laughs> you should know it, man. You got fifty flights of stairs to get down yeah. before you even Let's get to multitask the here, buddy. Yeah. You yeah. could be looking at that while you're trotting down these steps, yeah. buddy. And then it's like it's like yeah, it's like twenty one hours nineteen minutes, and then he looks back twenty one hours eight minutes. Like, <laughs> go. 
<laughs> Next rest stop, stop 57 miles. So Next a... rest stop, 56.5 yeah. miles. Like, why do we put up so many rest stop why, signs? Why are there so many? Yeah, it, it's like that. Yeah, there's this little, like, are we there yet kind of thing going yeah. on. Uh, oh, man. Stop Look, looking at your fucking watch, pre- man. The president could be anywhere <laughs> and it's like 55 square miles you haven't even left the building you're, yeah you're get going he seriously funny. checks his watch at least six times before he's out of the world trade center it's yeah it's like big time like man you got a city to cover you have no <laughs> allies you need to go every second is precious pliskin well and then he, where does he go he goes to the plane crash site so you get this cool like uh, yeah. A set piece of this giant plane wreckage. They actually like bought like a wrecked plane and like set it in this yeah. setting. It looks really, really cool. Fires cool and stuff going. Long, nice long shot, kind of like uh, it's that same Panaflex like Steadicam shot that Kundi uses in Halloween because it's, it's oh, yeah, Dean, Dean Kundi totally. behind the camera. So it yeah, looks amazing. amazing. Cinematographer. Um, but yeah, wh- why like no? They're not going to be at the plane crash. Yeah. They're gone. They've been... The president crashed, like, over an hour ago. Like, yeah. three hours ago. It'd be like... And... I, where, so, like... Yeah, every Leave and Cleave, there, Tom huh? Atkins, when he gets to the crashed pod, the escape pod, the black box that mm-hmm. contained contain the president... Why not just make the, the whole plane out of the escape pod, huh? Am I right, folks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do you... <laughs> drive on the parkway and What's park the on the driveway. The I mean, come on. <laughs> the, I love so yeah. The guy lands. The president's nowhere to be found. And Pliskin's yeah, like duh. Pliskin calls back to command, and and Lee Van Cleef and Tom Atkins are shocked that the president hasn't just been violently assaulted within <laughs> thirty seconds of landing in New York. They thought that he'd just be hanging out in the pod, or that the, these guys are. I mean. I don't know if this is just subtly portraying cops as dumb, but when they're just like, damn it, we didn't didn't think they'd take the president. Like what? The biggest news that hit New York that year was that a plane crashed in New York. When that news turned out to be the president's plane, people are going to find out in this barren wasteland of a lawless city. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Why do you? Oh, this is uh, these get well. Obviously, they weren't prepared. They're flying by this, the the seat of the pants. The shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. They they got super lucky. Was Pliskin just showing up? The show just passing through just, on his way to get tossed know. into the clink. So yeah, they really have no. They have no way to help him. Yeah, what so if he's like basically some, on some his guy own that had just committed like securities fraud? Yeah, was passing through. They're like, ugh, <laughs> this guy. Really? This right, is our uh, guy? So Gary... Uh... Oh, I do. <laughs> Before, as Snake's being taken to his uh, deal mm-hmm. in the beginning, I like the uh, voiceover from the overhead speakers saying that at this point, you can opt for instant cremation right. before getting set in New York. And I was like, oh, man, take the deal. <laughs> instant cremation or living within Prison Island? It's not Snake's <sighs> way, man. Oh, no. Burn me to a crisp, baby. Well, <laughs> I am. I would be that guy in for securities fraud, embezzlement. Right, right. You'd be I the white be, collar guy. I, like I'm not going to Manhattan. Like, yep, burn me up right now. Don't care how long it takes. <laughs> Better option than than going in there. <laughs> yeah, but I'd obviously, Snake's not going to be burned up. And then he's going to take the most like 
amazing X-Wing simulator run to get into the building. And this dude is the most, he's unflappable. Oh, this yeah. guy has, he's looking at his watch constantly, doesn't make him run. He he's, walks for the first half of this movie. He is not panicking at all. No. There, there's actually not much happening for a good 20 <laughs> minutes when he gets into Manhattan and into New York. He kind of wanders around, he and, wanders through some buildings, he grabs the seat in one really long shot and just kind of sits and is like... <sighs> If I were a kidnapped president, and yeah, where can, would I go? You just see him going like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. There's a lot of room in... Fuck I, am I going to do Were we supposed to like get into the mood of like, should I do this or should I really just go out in my final 20 hours of glory? <laughs> just causing the most chaos possible. We don't tap into that aspect of Snake if he's like... Snake kind of immediately turns to work for the man. Oh, yeah. Pretty quick. Well, he's like, a Like, that guy could have been know. just like, all right, got 20 hours. I'm going to see just uh, how much destruction I can cause. That's true. He could have done that. But, you know, like he, he said uh, something to the effect in, in the beginning, like, I'm going in anyways. Might as well sign the deal, you know, kind of thing. So it, it's all it's all going to work out in the end for him. He's yeah. just, you know, he's that's what's so great about this character is that there's like these scenes where he's walking by and clearly he could help uh, someone getting hurt. Or yeah. he, he could like be, be a hero. He's not a hero. No. He is got the job. He's going to do the job for self-preservation. And his focus and his kind of just relentless drive, it really is kind of what makes him so badass. Yeah, well, there's this like, it's, it is, every uh, kind of hero in a movie like this gets called the anti-hero. But I'm glad you pointed out the different ways that Snake clearly is like, well, that person sunk. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. we get that great scene with him and Season Hubley, mm-hmm. who just has like a four minute cameo. I think they were married at the time, Kurt Russell and Season oh, Hubley. Yeah. I think I was reading that on the uh, online. Yeah. The pre, Interesting. The yeah. Pre Han. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she's credited as Girl in uh, Chock Full of Nuts. Chock Full of Nuts. Girl in <laughs> Chock Full of Nuts. Yeah. So. That's what's great. The first, for, like you said, not a lot happens when he lands in Manhattan. We see people running by in the background, mm-hmm. and we think it's building to this like, oh, geez, he's getting cornered. They know he's there. He's like, nope. Turns out for a half an hour, like nobody acknowledges Snake Plissken. No, nope. he is walking through there. He passes by within like seven feet of a ton of people, and everybody's just doing their own thing. He goes into that theater where <laughs> we first see with a giant Ernest gun. <laughs> Yeah, he's the with only like, guy in there with a gun. With like supply packets taped all, you know, so, all around his uh, belted to. His... Maybe people are just like, m- maybe they all know who it is and like, don't look, don't look, don't yeah. look, don't look. Well, see, yeah, that then it's weird because you think you'd get more like, oh my god, is that Snake Plissken? Right. So it's just well, a weird, just like, look, we can't, we got a set amount of time, we can't have him getting accosted by every dude out on the street. We right. got to get him from point A to B, C, D. Uh, so yeah, that little scene where so he's standing here in this oafish hunchback <laughs> mutant guy comes running through and starts like like banging on all these sewer lids that's i like these little glimpses of just like oh this is what would happen huh uh, yeah this is what happens with seven years uh, left to their own devices okay there's some hunchback with a like lumpy bald head and like a snaggle tooth just mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm the guy that wakes up the crazies yeah uh, exactly it's a yeah. pretty good gig it's a good gig what are you in for yeah. stay out of the crazies way you know I, I, just by yeah. letting them know to get on out of here 
Like <laughs> I was the insurance fraud guy. Now I'm the crazies. Yeah, now I'm the crazies like, gatekeeper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I do like how we get established jobs like that. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we get that great scene of him kind of taking shelter in the crazies, uh, from the crazies in the corner diner, chock full of nuts. Chock full of nuts. But I I dig the uh, intro of Season Hubley's character smoking in this chock full of nuts, and it's one of those like. Look, I don't live here. I just got caught out late at night, and I had now I'm stuck here all night letting these crazies come up. Well, because it's the end of the month, and they need to run up for for food. <laughs> the crazies quota. Yeah, gotta crazies got to fill their quota. quota. So now I'm trapped yeah. in chock full of nuts. Crazies been really busting their asses lately. But I love the the believably quickly established relationship they have, where it ramps up really quick, where she realizes, oh, this guy's the ticket out. And then mm-hmm. tries to seduce him, and then gets murdered, and then gets pulled <laughs> under by the like crazy. a total zombie. Like that's a total this, like Dawn of the Dead. There's a total like kind of yeah. There's a total like anarchy, like but zombie apocalypse like feeling to a lot of this movie because it's because it's just burned out, abandoned yeah. streets, and then just yeah, like you said, people just kind of running around in the background. Well, and I all love this, this implication that. That a significant portion of the prison population just turned feral. <laughs> right. Like, this was not a mutated society that they walled off. These were just criminals that they dumped there. And a, hundreds of them one day were like, should we just, like, act like ravenous sewer dwellers? And then uh, people will leave us alone, and they'll be like, shit, these guys live in the sewer 24-7. Right. We're just going to let them come up here it's and run, run rampant for one day a month. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Like I'm loving this society that they've <laughs> that they've built. A lot of questions about it, though. I'm loving it, but I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to live it. So, how many of these other sci-fi movies? Season Hubley gets pulled underground, and Carpenter gets or uh, uh, Snake gets the hell out of Dodge. Oh yeah, he runs for it. And even though I've seen this movie and know we never see one wink of Season Hubley again. I've been so conditioned. Everybody else other than Carpenter would have had her come back improbably in mm. some way or have the scope of Snake's mission change to like, I'm also going to save that girl. I could see and that. And the president. Right. I could see that. Nope. She's gone. She done. She is a slave or meat for the crazy. <laughs> and we don't even get to see her go. We just see her pulled into a pit. And then Snake's like, I'm going to crash through this wall now because it's my only option. Yeah. We don't even get to know her name. Nope. She's just girl She's at gr- Chock Full of some Nuts. girl I met in the Chock Full of Nuts <laughs> before she was assaulted by crazies. Before I, she inadvertently used was used as bait for my escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, give me the cremation. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Instead, yeah. you end oh, up, no. yeah, you're yeah. going to end up like a girl at Chock Full of Nuts mm-hmm. if you don't take that cremation. It's a brutal living. It's tough stuff. Tough <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so then I also I just love the uh we, he goes into that old movie theater, which mm-hmm. is a great scene. Great wrecked up spray painted movie theater. I also liked how genial the graffiti was in this movie. <laughs> there was it, one guy right, that was like I know what you mean. it was like nobody messes with Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, it was just like people's like, names. Nobody fools with Greg. <laughs> like, what? Really, Greg? That's the best you could do? Like, like, Greg, we only have a limited amount of spray paint. 
They walled up the Nobody island. Nobody thinks if you know. one second about stepping up to square <laughs> off with Greg. Greg, what did we say? This is all, <laughs> you took up a whole wall with this stupid threat. Like, there's no swears in any of the... It had to be Greg. like, look, this thing can still be edited for television. Don't put any swear words on the walls. Oh, dude, that's probably exactly what it was. So there are all exactly these, like, eight-year-old yeah. threats. Like, oh, yeah, ask my mom. Simon. <laughs> like, ugh, Simon. But no, it, it is a lot of literally, like, like Vance was here. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> was. W-U-Z. <laughs> and, and then just... S-U-X. And then it's that like great sucks. graffiti that'll just have, like, you know, the word, like, blood <laughs> right written. exactly <laughs> you know it just has some hot buzzwords of crime written there like death blood <laughs> who's that dude who's doing all this <laughs> that's great when uh one time i was driving down to uh southern california on i-5 mm. and i stopped at you know one of the like a jack-in-the-box to use the bathroom and in the stall somebody had done this like ornate gang tag. Uh oh. And below it, in the most crude, sloppily written fashion, some guy had wrote the dick sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's why you don't do ornate graffiti. Because all it takes. Was it just like an arrow pointing <laughs> yeah. to the graffiti then? The dick sucker. The dick sucker. <laughs> All it takes is one dude who happens to have a pen on him, and he's peeing, and he's like, I'm not liking the looks of this guy. That's great. Of Suarez 13. Nope. (laughs) The dick soaker. Yeah. So the movie doesn't have any of that, sadly. Because if I saw Nobody Messes with Greg, I know what title Greg would be given. (laughs) Colon, the dick sucker. (laughs) That's Greg, everyone. Tough break, Greg. Oh, man. Ugh, I told so many people about that wall, and my and one of my friends actually stopped while doing that drive. Painted over. <sighs> I even told him. I was like, it's the third stall <laughs> in the jack-in-the-box you remember, in yeah. Shafter, California. Yeah, exactly. You gotta go there. You gotta prove it. It's right off the I-5. Before camera phones, baby. Mm. That, that's lost to memory like tears and rain. <laughs> 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 good job good job yeah. well it's so, been yeah. recorded here forever yeah you're welcome america so we now know about the dick sucker i love all the aesthetic every time it would show that graffiti i would find just new stuff of just like oh all the paint we have a finite amount of paint people exactly come on there's only so much at the ace hardware yeah i also love that they don't explain the food drop we right. get a quick scene at the end of like, yeah, there's a bunch of people camped out near the food drop. It's like, yeah, they would have to give them food somehow. There How does a, that work? There was a point in the movie where I was like, so is everyone a cannibal in this yeah. town? Because the crazies definitely are. The crazies have established themselves as cannibals. But yeah, you're like, wait, yeah, what what, what, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the the intro to, to Ernest Borgnine's character is really fun. Good, He's great. Good Borgnine character. Great Borgnine. We've He's now the se- cabbie. He's we've now seen... Happy-go-lucky. Uh, because just a month or so ago, we saw The Devil's Reign. Not probably going to get a, a podcast man? episode. No. Probably uh, not going to make it. Yeah. He was... Uh, oh, did you not go to that one? I didn't go to that yeah. one. Yeah. He plays the devil. Oh. And... Mr. Devil. You know the extreme energy he put into his role as cabbie? Mm-hmm. He put that same energy in an 
evil way as the devil. Ooh. He, uh, it's great. There's this goat That's head cool. prosthesis that he has. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize Borgnine. Well, I guess I did realize it because after he won an Oscar, basically he spent the next 40 years doing stuff like Airwolf and <laughs> <laughs> Laser Mission. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, but this is an actual great Borgnine genre appearance. Like, this is a good character. Yeah. He's he... the, the, the perfect guy for Snake to bump into. The guy who knows the answer to literally every question and knows where to find every person in the city. Yeah, he was a nice plot driver. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, but, this movie would have ended with Snake just walking down the street and exploding at some point. Yeah, exactly. Just going, <laughs> Mr. President, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glad we didn't get to the desperate levels of Snake just running up to people and shaking them by the shoulders <laughs> and being like, I only have four hours. I'm just looking for anything. Like, luckily, some guy's like, oh, yeah, I know where that guy's at. You're going to also need to go here and here and here and avoid this area specifically. Exactly. Thank God. Well, yes. Luckily for Snake, he teams up with the cabbie uh, who gets him out of the sticky situation with the crazies with a great Molotov cocktail. Mm -hmm. Borgnine drives him straight to, you know, uh, Adrian Barbeau and and Harry Dean Stanton, and they know exactly where the president is. And they have it into. So here's where I said earlier (laughs) I don't understand the relationship between Harry Dean Stanton and the Duke. The movie I think I think he gets the oil or the gas. Like you, mm. there's like an oil uh, yeah. drill pumper thinger in the back of his place. And Borgnine does say like, hey, like if you can a, spare some gas for me, I, I feel can like use there's it. a nowhere. He's basically yeah, he lives because he figured out how to drill for oil in Manhattan. Yeah, which is great, and refine it apparently into gasoline <laughs> yeah. for cars. For cars that we could use <laughs> at an industrial level. Yeah, but but when I. When so I maybe he is kind of smart. I don't know. I don't that's, <laughs> that's pretty smart. Maybe he, lives, he must so have been an old baron, like, uh, oil baron guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New York oh, City yeah. Library, which is cool. Uh, and Adrian Barbeau has is a basically a sex slave that's been given to the brain by the Duke, mm. like as a good stuff, goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Where I don't understand the relationship between Harry Dean Stanton and the Duke is for 10 minutes of this movie, we have to avoid the Duke. So Kurt Russell both, A, needs to see the Duke. Mm-hmm. And then when we see the Duke driving around Manhattan and Cabby goes like, that's the Duke's engines. I'd recognize those anywhere. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, we got to take a totally different street than the Duke because we can't let the Duke see us. It's, it's, it's like, uh, but yeah. we need to eventually meet him and then 10 minutes after that Herodine Stan's just hanging out right next to the Duke like standing side by side with oh, him. Hey, Duke. and it's like wait we just spent 10 minutes taking the worst side street ever to avoid the Duke I love that scene when they're they're taking what Broadway Broadway's been overrun by mm-hmm. more crazy of a different kind of crazies yeah. yeah every single thing in this movie is a trap and I love it. When that scene of Snake walking through the abandoned theater after the drag performance. Mm-hmm. What a weird direction entertainment has taken. <laughs> you work with what you got, you know? But, like, out of all the stuff inmates to the only jail in the world would be into, are they into men wearing bouffant wigs and dresses singing a kicky number about new york like is that that's what uh they're like no this is what i'm into now Burp. this is entertainment now 
Borgnine, Borgnine was into it. Borgnine was into it. Oh, he was flipping he out was, for that he performance. Was dancing in his seat there. No more Yankees. <laughs> like <laughs> they're such like That's it's the 1997, only song they but they're all saying like, let's sing these fake 1927 musical numbers. Must it's I mean, weird, like I like, said, the mindset of these prisoners. Your brain, you don't know which direction. They're just go. going through the the band. That's the thing. It's like so they they did. <laughs> <laughs> they just make everyone in Manhattan leave and just abandon your things. Yeah. We're just going to leave everything fully furnished and stocked, you know, <laughs> as far as, you know, feather boas are concerned, you know, instruments yeah. for the band to play. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, like, that's my best shot. I was, I was watching that scene and there. I was like, the only chance I have is if they like, they well, need we, to play we, still need, squeeze we box. still need somebody on the trombone. And I was like, I played in college. <laughs> I can do that. Probably. Like, right, don't need him. We need the trombone. Yeah. Oh, thank God! <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, then the first note's not good. Yep, no, did. <laughs> failed the audition. Yeah, but I love so every scene. It's weird. Thirty minute, thirty minutes through the movie, nobody acknowledges Snake, and then suddenly every corner he turns around, there's somebody new to like jump him. Mm-hmm. You get that. Uh, <laughs> like I said, all these brain worms that all these New York criminals have. He's sneaking through these grimy tunnels underneath the theater, you know, the back rooms, and the one guy's like, hey, uh, those are some nice boots. Exactly, uh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, and then he witnesses a sexual assault, and he's like, nope, nope, keep keep moving, keep moving. Then he, he kicks, then he walks into a room where one guy's just punching a dude for like so weird. 10 punches, and then uh, all he does is just kind of kick the dude in the ass. And the dude just kind of goes out of frame, and we never see him again. Mm-hmm. Just kicked his ass out of the world. <laughs> is what he did. War hero. And so, uh, <laughs> so now from that from that point on in the movie, it is like he is just getting constantly assaulted. Mm-hmm. He went from nobody acknowledging him to just like everybody swinging a bat at him. Well, they find out where the president is. He he gets in there. He, he get he's trying to get the president out. Mm-hmm. They knock him out. And then he is out for a good he's sixteen out. hours. He's out for tw- yeah for he's... much of his watch time. <laughs> so it goes from that's what was so great is that it's he's watching his clock twenty one hours, nineteen hours, eighteen hours. <laughs> he wakes up, it's like two and a half hours. <laughs> How long was I out? <laughs> Wait, you guys just let me sleep? Yeah, hey, you look so peaceful laying there, snake. You know. <laughs> I didn't want to wake you, you know? <laughs> I love, so I love when... Uh, got that class. Yeah, so all of a sudden he's pressed for time at the last... And then it's, a, again, real time and for then, like the now last he's two running. hours. He's like, yeah, well, I was walking fine until you guys let me sleep for 16 hours. <laughs> Jesus. Now I've really got to push it. <laughs> I had this thing all mapped out. Now i got to really just burn through my reserves. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you leaned over and they're like... Let him sleep for like 16 hours. He was hours. out. I mean, he got shot in the leg with an arrow and stuff, so I get that. But yeah, he, uh, man. So let's hit up. He zonked. I think arguably the coolest scene in the movie that you called the coolest Carpenter movie. Mm, I mean, mm, mm. if we're being literal, The Thing is the coolest Carpenter movie. I would say By that... virtue of location, location of right. Antarctica. I'd say it's definitely maybe maybe the best, uh, probably the scariest, <laughs> probably the best visual effects. But yeah, oh, sure, it doesn't have Snake Plissken, so no. I'm not sure if it can be. And the it coolest. also doesn't have the Duke. It doesn't have the Duke. The no. entrance, a of number the one, Duke. 
is right up there with the coolest we're, character entrances. We're an hour in, by the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to this podcast. I just don't regret a second of that graffiti <laughs> talk, and I just don't. I'm sorry. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> we have, and, and I did not spend nearly enough time on Lee Van Cleef's earring, so we still got to loop back to that. It's got more distracting, jangly little flippy things. It's his, it's his, uh, it's his flair, man. Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> uh, the Duke's entrance, I think, is the singular coolest moment in a Carpenter film. In almost any film, this guy's tricked out hydraulics lifted car mm-hmm. with his chandelier headlights. Yes. Is that the most gorgeous effect put on a vehicle give me a i don't care about your fast fives mm-hmm. <laughs> none of those had chandelier headlights it was a it was very pimped out it was, oh my gosh it was extremely pimped in the best way yeah the chandelier on top of the hood over the headlights yeah just g- mounted to the front corner because i understand the chandelier in the cab you know yeah they had the disco the ball in inside i get in the that cab. yeah but uh, the chandelier on the hood of the car, uh, it's beautiful. There has to be actual examples of a dude doing that. Oh, I'm it sure. has to have happened. I refuse to believe that I hope people so. saw the Duke Isaac Hayes <laughs> driving around in a tricked-out car with chandeliers mounted as headlights, and they were like, "Nope, he did it. Never going to be duplicated." There has to be some amazing home homebrew versions. Of chandelier headlights, all inspired by the Duke. I've seen some crazy cars out there, man. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen chandeliers over the headlights, though. They need though. to bring back exhibit for Pimp My Ride, <laughs> edition the Duke. I want I want to see one with chandeliers on the chandeliers. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Just, just a big old chandelier. <laughs> like just, yeah, chandelier and uh Chandeliers like on the windshield wipers, chandelier. chandeliers on the mud flaps. Yeah, just full <laughs> chandelier it out. And so... We talked early about the score, which I think is, damn, maybe the coolest. Also the coolest, yeah. When, uh, so I saw the Carpenter Live thing a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We played uh, Oakland, and he had a full band. You know, it's like two guitarists, big drummer, two synth guys, him at the center, you know, with all these guys around him, and they led with Escape from New York. So it was mm-hmm. just like the movie where the lights go out, and then it starts like, do, 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 do. But all these Carpenter Live versions are expanded versions of the movie themes. Right. Because he has two full guitarists now that are able to like stretch these songs out a bit. So it's like double the length of the actual theme. And then watching this movie, I realized as iconic as the main title is to Escape from New York, the Duke's Entrance. The Duke arrives. <laughs> I think that's the coolest Carpenter. That's the best use. Carpenter scores, we've already established. That is my favorite genre music, bar none. Among my favorite musics ever. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter, synth score. That's my Desert Island shit. There you go. The Duke arrives, man, is the most coolly constructed song. There, I looked over at you because I was just like, God feeling this so hard i'm like i cannot move to this and i look over you and you were just like Mm, shifting mm, back mm, and mm, forth mm, in your mm. seat like this is just like stop making sense it It starts uh, with just this like it's the most simple carpenter song too oh yeah 
It's the most. Uh, it's very percussive. It's uh, uh-huh. it's actually like pretty light on the synths. Yeah, and then it's just got like the cowbell comes in like. Then a little guy with a shaker just like. It just keeps this like locomotive building to it. Like oh the then like the yeah the ride snare comes in little little snare happens there. I just kept waiting for like. That's the one thing. So side project here. Mm. This movie inspired more knockoffs than any movie probably other than like Star Wars and Alien. Especially in the foreign markets. 100%. There are so many. Well, Mad Max too. Mad Max inspired so many Philippines, (laughs) European, all those different countries to be like, oh yeah, we're making dozens of this (laughs) we're making a ton of escape from new york's and when we saw 1990 bronx warriors yep it's a big one the main thing that that movie got right over this one is the first time we snuck we we got introduced to a snare heavy soundtrack riff Mm -hmm. turns out it was just being played by a drummer who was (laughs) sitting there on the scene of the crime was there on set We're right up next to the Hudson, and we're hearing this killer, and the score to Bronx Warriors is great, because all those Italian movies also ripped off the score (laughs) to Escape (laughs) from New York. So they all have these cool, slightly different versions of the score that all sound amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like you just get infinite versions of the best score ever. I'm sure John Carpenter loves that. He loves all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's a movie called Escape from the Bronx? (laughs) I don't see any of that. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going back to playing Sonic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Carpenter's obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. Anyway, so yeah, Bronx Warriors. The crew comes up with their meeting at the river. And we're getting this great like... And then it just pans back. There's a dude with a full drum kit just at the meeting. Just like, I'm just going to keep a rolling beat, guys. I'm just going to keep this going. He was just there. And he's into it. I mean... What a weird fourth wall for that movie <laughs> to break down. And I understand why Escape from New York couldn't do that. But oh, man, I could have seen the Duke arriving, getting up out of his automobile, and there's just a guy with like a cowbell. I could definitely <laughs> see that. Like, wouldn't have been out of place. It would have been incredible. Yeah, the Duke's crew was pretty great. Duke's crew is great. The Duke himself, man. Yeah. Isaac Hayes. This is a guy who knows cool. The album Hot Buttered Soul, which I have on early, is 19-minute version of By the Time I Get to Phoenix. Mm. You don't get much cooler than that <laughs> on record. That is a side-long song where he's like, oh, this old country song? Yeah, I'm going to need that song to be 10 times the length. <laughs> We're going to take a while to get to Phoenix. And then for him to somehow be cooler than Hot Buttered Soul, Isaac Hayes. Cooler than Shaft, Isaac Hayes. Mm. The Duke is cooler than all of them. The Duke is the coolest, man. Duke has that those tight, light blue wash jeans. The best... He looks like the coolest buccaneer. Mm-hmm. He's got that great buccaneer's hat, you know, with one edge curled up. Oh, the reveal of he's got the epaulets on his big shoulder coat. <laughs> oh yeah, when Duke he's steps out of his one, car, man. a number one, king of New York, 
when he steps out of there with the best theme in the movie, steps out of that perfect ride, it was just like, the Duke. Duke, I get it. Duke kind of just walloped Snake. No, yeah, you look at me, you go it like Factor. I, I'd probably follow him if I'm stuck in, uh, yeah, yeah. In this the Duke's New York cronies person. are the best. I stand by that. Dennis Hopper's gang in Blue Velvet is my favorite small gang. Sure, sure. In a movie, you know that's a that's a Dennis Hopper's got a four man crew, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's got to look out for his guys, but the Duke's crew's like a thousand. And they're all, like I said, Adam Ant guitar techs. They are. They're all dressed like Buccaneers, Kings of the Wild Frontier. And it's amazing. It's this coolest Lost Boys. Uh, I don't know if they're, what, living in Grand Central Station or something. Because there's a lot of train cars and other stuff where the they're keeping the present. But that's when we get reintroduced to the president. And that's when Donald Pleasance just decides to spend the rest of the movie having weird moaning sounds. <laughs> well, he plays it like such a baby. He he is such a and uh, that's what's so great about this movie is that it is it's it's got it's got all the political satire and stuff, but it doesn't have to hit you over the head with a message. It just yeah. shows you a whiny, weak president who is you know incapable of. of He's like catatonic. Doing anything for himself. But he's just making all these like, You are the Duke! Yeah. You are the Duke! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get this great shot of Donald Pleasant's uh, chained to a wall. Still chained to the briefcase. Still got the briefcase. Still got the briefcase chained to him unopened. But he's like crucified against a wall. And the Duke is just doing the most casual (laughs) gunplay with him. Like the most cool as a cucumber William Tell kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's just shooting holes around his limbs in the wall. I love how Duke has his legs stretched out straight. And he's got his crazy magnum just propped up on the toe of his cowboy boot. Just picking off these trick shots. Yeah. And they only think to look in the briefcase when Duke shoots the briefcase open. And I guess this seems like a good time to bring up the Duke's questionable choice for second in command. (laughs) (laughs) Duke's got a hell of a hype man. Yeah, man. Um, this guy. Uh, I, what a weirdo! Uh, the, in the best way. We see him with with the uh, finger in the beginning. He's the guy that gives off the. He, but his name is Romero. In, in the <laughs> yeah, script. his character name is Romero, which um, is a, so. There's a character named Romero and a character named Cronenberg. Yeah, which I love when other directors That's cool. do that. That's nice. And so it's funny though that we were talking about this like like it was Dawn of the Dead at a certain point. Oh, yeah. And there's a main character named Romero. This guy could, is definitely the zombie of the movie. He's, he has such he's a great look. He's got white paint. He's got uh, the shock of hair. He kind of looks like a Tim Burton character, too, in a lot of ways. He's got that, like, uh, Naruto uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z kind of Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there hair, you go. You know? Yeah, he's Super Saiyan yeah. up in this shit. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> but he's got this kind of terribly deadpan, menacing tone in his voice and and delivery theatrically and uh kind of moves like a snake kind of has that Uh you know a hissing that he does in it and yeah how he ended up being the duke's go-to guy through the ranks who gets to like hang out next to him while he's shooting the gun and like 
just slowly kind of rub this feather on a cap. Yeah, he was really Creepy fingering stuff. that feather. Very kind of David Lynchian kind of a oh, character. Oh, that is honestly. a David Lynch character, not a John Carpenter. Totally, it's very strange. And, and this dude but, had like a a decent role in Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Oh you know, yeah, Carpenter rarely works with with one of these actors once. Sure, there's tons of two three movie Carpenter guys. He's a cool dude, stock company kind of dude. Yeah, so this was a this was a Carpenter guy at this point established. Nice. Um, who I don't think did ton a ton else. I don't think was, he did a ton. I, I don't so know him for, good in. I, I don't recognize him from anything else, but he is, yeah, very very menacing, very cool. But definitely when the Duke's car pulls up. With that Duke arrives scene, and you got you you get to see the guy driving the Duke who looks cool. You get to yeah, see yeah. the people hanging around the Duke, and then you get to this guy, and it's like, well, I think we know who the wild card out of the gang is. It's like that that guy must know where the heroin is, or like he yeah. like he's got to have something this going. This guy doesn't seem like a dude you want to keep around as your trustworthy. It was a tough second dude. in command, and then he because he gets so I don't get how easily. You, you talked about how maybe the brain was just because he's slightly smarter than other people and also can refine oil, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, yeah. maybe there is something to people being dumb there because the brain sure talks himself into a lot of situations without a lot of ammunition behind it. Right. He's really like, no, 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 the Duke said that it's okay for me to be there. He's like, Duke wouldn't say anything like that. And he's like, well, he did. He did to me. And the guy goes... Okay, well, I can't dispute that, so I guess I'll let you in. Right, I was going to say, yeah, as a henchman, he's not that great. Yeah, he, he doesn't really he do plays, anything. He puts up the fortress real quick. He's like, well. And then he's like, all right, come on in, brain, and then gets, you know, then immediately gets shanked gutted. pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, Harry you know? and Stanton talks himself pretty easily to every situation. Yeah. I love the, uh, he shows up, uh, <laughs> the biggest one of all. So I love he pulls up to the Duke's gang. The gang he was avoiding earlier, and he just walks up. and He's like, "How's it going, guys?" Hey, guys. And hey. everybody, you can tell everybody's just like, "Don't don't we even get a guy being like that guy brain hangs around too much?" <laughs> like I'm sick oh, of this geez, dude. That brain guys but then, back. When they find when they capture Kurt Russell and everything, and the Duke basically confronts the brain. Brain's just like, "Man, I had no choice. He all had right? a gun to me. He had a gun to me. What yeah, am I supposed yeah. to do? I know. Yeah, right? I sold out all of you, and the Duke just keeps walking." Well, I love how there's even that scene with the gang. We're going to literally talk about every line in this movie before we're done, but it's so great when he he gets up to the guy and he's like, "Well, what are you what are your exact orders?" I'd be yeah. like, "Fuck off." <laughs> are my exact orders, brain. Yeah. It's like brain, has, he's like hassling Brain them. is such a weaselly ball buster <laughs> yeah. in all these scenes. I don't know how this guy is how his face is just not filled with punches. <laughs> like he he talks tough and talks smack to everyone. Yeah. Like he's it's basically so Ratso Rizzo. Just except like, Ratso Rizzo got his ass kicked in every scene <laughs> of Midnight Cowboy. Like and he's somehow right. just mouthing off to everybody and being just like, man, I'm not I'm sick of this guy. So I'm sick funny. of this brain guy just knocking me around. Man. It's ridiculous. Gasoline is very, very valuable, obviously. And and at the same, so it's such a weird dichotomy because you get Harry Dean Stanton mouthing off to everyone, while at the same time, Adrian Barbeau is standing next to him in every scene with just ridiculous on-display boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Carpenter obviously has used his ex-wife's assets in mm-hmm. several movies. And I don't think they've been used more than they were just 
It's uh, just out and about. She's at the peak of her powers. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, honestly, though, I it's like one of those where I looked at those for a bit, but I couldn't get my eyes off of the perm Dude, that she she's had got in a that rough movie. Perm. She's got that. She is Man. so. That that's hair one of those. Was, that uh, hair was just next level. I am so. Good. I'm so in love with Adrian Barbeau, who has this kind of like, kind of a tough face. It points when she scowls. Right, she's just like, ooh, that is not a scowl. You and she's, see. she's very badass in this movie. She, yeah, she, she got the plays it straight. She's got. You, I feel like she might be like a former soldier or something. She's like good <laughs> with the guns. She's. Uh, Why do they got to give these super soldiers you know? like Sigourney Weaver and Adrian Barbeau like tight Weird Al Yankovic perms? I, that's just. They're like we gotta you know? we gotta knock them down a couple pages. Maybe that's maybe that's more practical than having a long flowing mane. You know, like. Uh, Black mama, white mama with the blonde girls. <laughs> oh, yeah, just blonde like... has the longest hair. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, yeah, tough haircut. Uh, tough tough you know, cut. Tough cut. But it's the time. I mean, it's. I, I'll give that one to the 80s, you know, the early I 80s. I guess how many hairstylists get tossed into the Manhattan prison. Yeah. You know, they're on their own. They're cutting their own locks. Season Hubley had a chopped up buzz Ooh. cut mullet. Oh, that you Hubley know? cut was rough. But those look like. That one was bad. Well, that, that one cut was bad. looked like. Uh, that, that cut looked no worse than the girls cut in. When a stranger calls back, except <laughs> oh, no. in theoretically that girl had access to barbers. No, season Hubley's like, look, I'm hiding in chalk for the Hubley cut does look homemade. It it's does. Like, it's and that's I, a nice touch. They're going for that. I the Barbo cut just took like a who? Well, uh, luckily it'll wash out in four months. Well, that makes you wonder who's the uh, prisoner barber. That's what I'm asking. On the what island, hairstylist you know? gets tossed in there. You know, you know, someone took over the barber shop and they're just like. Whoosh, 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 yeah. whoosh. If there's a guy a whose living. job it is to run around the city banging on sewer, sewer holes <laughs> like he's a, an old-timey guy lighting the lamps on exactly. his uh, Christmas village, then there's got to be somebody who's like, look, I cut the hair. Like, that's <laughs> I cut, all I do. Someone's got to cut, cut the, the hair. hair and nobody hassles me. You know? I don't know. You yeah, got to think. They got to have plumbers. Be, God, there's such a world to just get into. This needs its own Grand Theft Auto. Why do we want to auto. escape so much yeah, from New York? Let's get in there. It needs a Grand Theft Auto <laughs> sandbox world. Exactly. I'm just like, I cut the air. You know, that's what hey, I do. Hey, uh, <laughs> Salvatore. There's got to be. Uh, I love it. Someone making a pizza. And I, I also know. love, this is one of the all-time great uh, like pro wrestling in a movie scene. Uh, well, I was waiting for you to bring up. Yeah, I know. Uh, How would I go this long? The, the great like David and Goliath fight that has to happen. For Ox Snake. Baker made a fine second career after post wrestling as giant dude in movies. Mm. So many people wrestlers look big, but a lot of them are big. It's until you pair up a wrestler with a bunch of actors that you're like, oh Jesus, this guy's yeah. huge. Yeah, he's huge. Because Kurt Russell is cut in the movie, you know, under his uh, snake gear. He's got. He's a little cut. Yeah, he could be. It plays if it, better if it was in the 2019. Tank. He'd be like. He'd be, oh, he'd look if, ridiculous. If it was 2019, he well, would it's cut be listening. But in that pre-steroids 80s, yeah, yeah, cut yeah. kind of way, exactly. Before Stallone ruined everything, and then people are like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that." Right, right. I'm gonna be that dude, and. So but next the, to but, Ox Baker, but though. Ox Baker is what almost seven feet tall. It looks like he's got the mutton chops. Mm. He's got the hairy chest. I don't think Baker was even close to being that gigantic. Wrestlers just look they just look like way it, bigger next to actors. They definitely look like it. <laughs> like yeah. when, like, geez, when John Cena was 
was uh, sleeping with Amy Schumer in her movie. It's like, Jesus, it looked like mutant porn. <laughs> just this hulking guy, just like, ugh. <laughs> like, the wrestlers look, wrestlers look ridiculous next to the actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks insane. That's true. Kurt Russell's probably like 5'6 or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Eighth Kurt Russell. Russell's, yeah, probably like my size. And so Ox Baker's probably 6'5", 300. And it's like, Jesus, he's Andre the Giant in there. You know, yeah, you put right. him against Tom Cruise, and it's like, this guy's insane. And so, oh. I love that there's pro wrestling in future apocalyptic prisons. Talk about the art form that is the most sustainable form of entertainment throughout our history. Pro wrestling has somehow thrived for this long. And I love this future world where... (laughs) It's definitely like Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's getting the chance in. Oh yeah, he's a superstar. Great. Kurt Russell, by the way, five ten and a half. Five ten. Just right. want to make sure he gets his due. Okay, good for you, okay. Kurt. That's good. That's but good. you know, yeah, he gets the full treatment. Uh, he's the face. Yeah. Or is he the beloved no, no, no. heel? What no, is it? He's, what is it? You tell me. It's <laughs> the stone cold character of he's the guy who does right. heelish things, and we love him for we love it because he's fighting back he's a against tough guy. the system. Yeah, yeah. And okay. so, so which is weird because Kurt Russell's actually working for the biggest system in. It's true. Technically, they had a reason to yeah not yeah uh, root for Kurt Russell. Technically, sold out immediately to the government. So, but they just respect his criming. <laughs> they respect snakes crimes it's a too much war hero. yeah exactly <laughs> it's like it's like well, i don't like how he's working for the government now but god gotta love the hustle well it's a great fight with the trash can lid uh shields oh yeah and the, it's the great spartacus fight the with, nail with... bats that at least they give him a bat like that's what i was thinking like well at least they gave him a chance you know mm-hmm. every any other thing it'd be like they give uh the big guy the bat and you're on your own but yeah they Jeez, give him the bat. He, yeah, uh, and Gladiator, you're you're out there with like a stick. Right, had like exactly. chariots circling you. Um, but, oh, the ox bait. I always love in these movies where you get the improbable giant that gets slayed. I love the that moment where the giant goes down and the giant always makes like a face like right after he takes the kill shot. A great kill, yeah. <laughs> he gets the nail bat right to the skull. Just whoosh. Yeah, nail goes in and he kind of makes the... before just slumping into the ropes and i love that every movie does it the big moment of silence before everybody's just like yes yeah we just saw that snake 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 all of a sudden snake see if yeah if he didn't have to go anywhere he would then be the king of the ring yeah right you know (laughs) king of the ring pliskin he was it man Man, he had all yeah that's how cool he is that's why he's so cool what a bummer that he was set to expire because he had already carved out quite an impressive standing he definitely would have been dude would have ruled he'd have been the new duke for sure so we build to the big escape with the uncomfortably finally have to escape the uncomfortably moaning donald pleasance (laughs) just beaten to hell and so this whole movie another way that i think brain bamboozled the hell out of people by just being slightly smarter than them, mm-hmm. was he's the guy who has the diagram to avoid all the mines on the what the Eastboro Bridge or whatever bridge, the Sixty Second Street Bridge that right. get, takes it out of the city, the one bridge. Yeah, because why guy... are those even up? Why are they not dynamited? Yeah, right. Why? Why'd you leave the bridges? You, you, need, you, you couldn't drop you a bomb the on bridges the bridges, up? and so instead they mined them. And he's like, I'm the only guy who knows the route. Some guy escaped 
and then I guess wrote down the directions before was he was that? gunned down. I don't know how Brain got the diagram of the he, proper I think he was route. bullshitting. I think yeah. it was a total total BS. Which seems right. He was just going, I don't know, left, right, left. Because by the time you get <laughs> to the bridge and avoiding the mines, the mines just seem to be the debris the- <laughs> on the bridge that you would avoid anyway. Well, they were just blown up next to them, so you don't even have to go over them to trigger them apparently yeah. you just uh, yeah and so he's just like right left but there are directions that he would have made anyway because he's like yeah well there's a big hunk of rubble on my left so of course <laughs> i gotta go right exactly like the mines were not just in the open lanes of traffic they were all just um basically avoid obstacles generally right and then you're good well yeah the, like it, we needed a diagram to avoid this big pile of rubble yeah it's not he didn't have an option to go left or right <laughs> the rubble was dictating whether <laughs> he, he was went, going left yeah, or right yeah yeah there's like no go left go right it's like, like no he's just making one the turns lane. he has one to lane, make one lane brain <laughs> one lane i have to do it brain <laughs> this is my only option i told you to go left and so but the chase on the bridge is great it's it's great in that way that you're like is the duke uh, like 10 feet behind him or like eight miles behind him right. like it keeps cutting back and the duke's like making these like hot ch- hot like driving changes in his in his he's also way. avoiding all the mines with no diagram without having he's any just diagram. free soloing it he's <laughs> across the bridge here <laughs> but exactly. yeah the but the movie has killed off a couple people at this point and it does it pretty like you know quickly and well all right you know brain goes Brain gets blown up. The cabbie dies in the crash. Uh, yeah. Borg nine and yeah, and, and Barbo has one final stand where she's shooting at the car, missing the, every the shot. Bar- apparently, the Barbo standoff is is pretty great. That's a good one. Even though she she does miss some shots, which is believable. You don't want somebody out there walking dead style, just nothing but headshots <laughs> on everyone. Ten out of ten every time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I love her big standoff where she just takes Snake's gun as a means to stop the Duke. Mm-hmm. That was a great rundown. And then we get the. I did not remember the gory shot of her plowed over yeah. by the Duke. She like took out his rig with her final shot before just getting plowed into. Yeah, that <laughs> I, was... I don't remember the cut back to her actually run over corpse. It's funny. I read that that was uh, yeah that that was actually shot much later. They it was ambiguous before, and they're like, no, we need a shot of her. So it was like that shot is like in her garage, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Like they just laid, they just laid her out on like a <laughs> movie, you know, movie concrete magic, baby. Yeah. Oh man, that's how you do it. Bloody her up and that's then lie I, under this car wheel. The thing that always surprises me about John Carpenter is that he is such an economical, oh sure, and good director as far as budgets and making things that are ten million dollars look like thirty million dollars. Why he, why he didn't get more success? You well, know? I think that's probably the failure of Escape from L.A. because I think that's one. That's the mm, one that had like they a, him a good like budget a fifty there, yeah. million budget. I know, yeah, but then it got into the weird, yeah, green screen kind of computer stuff. Anyways, right. that's but, a tangent. But. but so yeah, the movie wraps up, and I love uh, how we get the simple wrap. There's the concerns about the tape. You know, mm-hmm. we don't totally find out what's on this tape. Like uh, Donald Pleasance, does he have info to? keep this peace summit we we basically have to dive back into our peace summit talks mm-hmm. right it's some kind of tape yeah that they need that addresses a, a peace summit to keep world peace going if you have the tape why do you need the president if you have the president why do you need the tape i'm not sure how that works but yeah. they needed both i like how the, yeah the president they're just like look if he's not alive after 22 hours f him 
And uh, like what they, but they do they do pay off that timer on the wrist because it finally does get down to like three, two, and they neutralize the explosives in his neck with like yeah. literally one second yeah. to go. You're like, what are the fucking odds? <laughs> and we also give uh, Donald Pleasance gets one of those moments that you hate to see in a movie like this, where the whiniest character gets like a cool moment, like right. the, like the the one kid in uh, um, Night of the Demons. Who spends the whole movie just like, Whoa! and then you're like, wait, that's the guy at the end? Right. He made it out? Right. Really? I know. And so this one, like, Donald Pleasant's machine guns down the Duke from the top of the wall. And then you get the paid off Donald Pleasant's overacting with just like, you're the Duke. Yep. You're the, you're the A1 Duke. king. Of- yeah. Yeah. Just but before it's just, shot he him. was doing the like, you're the Duke. You're the Duke. His right, and then Pleasant's blubbering. Uh, you know, uh, Snake just wants a moment of his time. Snake kind of flubs his question. He kind of blows it at the he end. Honestly, drops the ball hard. Well, because on his moment of time with the president, he doesn't know what to do with that. He's like a dog chasing a car. You know, he finally got one. Yeah, didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, he's like, what he would you a... say about all the uh, other people out there? Yeah, who are just like, no, wait, hold on, wait, uh, wait a minute. But, uh, but okay, hold on. Going live, Snake. Just uh, okay. just need a minute uh, of your time. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, ahead. He really like uh, kind of Columbo's oh. his way. To I was the, actually like, thinking maybe uh, in like twenty minutes, like maybe I could talk to you a little bit yeah, later. You know, we'll do it after. We'll do it after. You're you look busy. You're getting shaved. Yeah, you're I love about how, to go on TV. I love okay. how Clemens, Clemens Pleasance has just taken a beating. We don't know what's happened to this guy over the duration of this uh, movie so far. We don't know what he's, he's been, been shot at and shit on. And <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, he's been in with the people he least would want to be in with. And uh, now I, I love the cleaning him up for, for the looks. Oh, for yeah. The, for the TV address. And then he's suddenly just like, yeah, whatever. And whatever. then he's like, totally cool. But yeah, well, I have to go live in three minutes, Snake. But I will obviously give you anything you could possibly <laughs> ask for. At that point, Snake could have easily just been like, uh, I want to be able to crime. And I want to continue being able to crime. And as long as I promise not to shoot too many people, I want you guys to leave me alone for crimes. Right. They would have been like, well, he's got us over a barrel, but he did implausibly save me from New York. But instead, (laughs) Snake goes like, yeah, so uh, a lot of people died today. How about that? What do you have to say about that? And Pleasance is like, that's a bit of gotcha journalism. Yeah, he really does pull like a, a real like, hmm, but we live in a society, huh, President? And Donald Pleasant's only answer is, uh, well, we go live in two and a yeah. half minutes. Oh, I, yeah. So. Well, he does like a little like, oh, I want to thank them too. Yeah. All no, right. they're great. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think he was going to say? Everybody played their roles. Yeah. So, okay. Looks like we're good here. Uh, right. <laughs> but then Snake gets the last laugh. Yeah. But even then, whew. Feels like you could have played that one. You could have been set up pretty well, Pliskin. I yeah, he, you know. But, with that, but he does get the final one-on-one with Lee Van Cleef because earlier we get the like, when I get out of here, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. Right. He's like, you still want to kill me, Snake? And he's just like, yeah, maybe later. Yeah, maybe later. <laughs> oh, 
and the name's Pliskin. <laughs> and then he like jumps up and goes like, I think. Just runs his fingers yeah. through his luxurious <sighs> hair, which is just... Pumps one solitary <laughs> fist in the air as the camera freezes on this dude. Well, yeah. But the president's got... The president, live on TV, standing there, is going to play the tape. Yeah. Instead of saying what he needs to say, he's going to say it on the tape. And then the he tape, made a mixtape that says yeah, everything like, that he could have said. I'm just going to stand here and uh, while this plays out, no one's thought to check the tape. <laughs> None of no, our men no one wants, wanted to preview the tape. Like it's a real, it's a blank Geraldo opening Capone's maybe vault. Maybe we check this out first. Like yeah. we're playing it for the first time live during my State of the Union. It's just like nobody checks the attic in Black Christmas. Nobody checks the tape. <laughs> yeah. It's like things that you would have done. Look, you assume Snake brought back the right tape. You know, I trust the guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it then ends up playing the American Bandstand kind of music yeah. and, uh, that the cabbie was listening to. <laughs> and then, Glenn Miller. Like, and then that president looks like a goddamn fool. <laughs> so you just get Donald Pleasant standing there looking like an idiot while it's just <laughs> like... <laughs> like some rag But like that's not even... Yeah. Like, <laughs> and Snake's just like... Basically walking off, and Snake's basically mouthing himself like, "Got him, got him." Just well, he's got the actual tape. <laughs> yeah, whatever that was supposed it, whatever to be. Whatever that just, was, I'll just ruin this and make sure world peace never gets achieved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no thanks, society. Because he doesn't give a fuck. He nope. still does not. He has not learned to give a fuck. His character <laughs> makes no kind of emotional arc, no. or you know, he doesn't learn anything. <laughs> it's that's what's so great. It's just that's what escapism is. It's just like. The hero on the journey, like a, you know, this actually reminds me a lot of a video game or a comic book. Sure. A lot of, ju- I, I, I very feel like Judge Dredd oh, influences yeah. on this, and uh, you know, we talked about it kind of being a western, but I really do feel like this is like a comic book. A comic book without overtly being like, here's comic book panels. It's uh, our transitions it between just, scenes. Yeah, and... it feels very like heavy metal. Yeah, it feels very. Uh, the magazine it feels very yeah it just feels very, very like it's, it's 70s super warriors 80s like it's an update on the comics. warriors kind of thing uh, you know and but it's yeah, just a joy it, it spawned so many awesome ripoffs mm-hmm. i love all of those bad fake escape from new york movies i loved bronx warriors mm-hmm. you know i love that stuff and i was always i was thinking i as much as i love escape from new york i love it so much that i would totally be on board for any kind of remake or yeah. reinterpretation. I'd love to see a young snake movie. Like I'm down. Well, luckily, like, give his, me more of this universe. Luckily, Wyatt Russell looks exactly like Dude, Kurt Russell such in great... Escape from New York. Yeah, like they are. They are. Wyatt Russell is at the age right now where facially he looks exactly. He just has blonde hair. Mm-hmm. You dye it dark oh, he looks brown. Exactly he would like look him, exactly like Pliskin. Um. No, he's. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. But I would be. Oh. But we I'd love enough... to just see more. I like the sure. world building is so good that I I want to see more. I don't think we've ever gotten like for a game that feels like a video game all right. throughout, especially now that we've played through these elaborate Grand Theft Auto kind of worlds. Yeah, I don't know if there's been a licensed. We, <laughs> I have the Warriors game, sure, the PS2 game, uh, but I don't think there's ever been any kind of Escape from New York game. I don't know how that's to a, look it up. escaped. Uh, licensing <laughs> but but i feel like that one is uh yeah it's it's almost surprising that they haven't gone back and yeah. tried to remake that they they do it with halloween all the time they've they remade the thing and i yeah. feel like i heard something about maybe even trying to do that again yo there's definitely going to be another um, thing uh so but yeah, yeah it's like this one seems right up 
Escape from L.A. came out in 96, and even though I don't think it recouped at the box office, I seem to remember it being a successful uh, rental mm. kind of home video Probably. movie. Yeah, yeah. And it got played a ton on all the cable channels. And Escape from L.A. has, has a great sense of humor about it, has bad-dated CGI, mm-hmm. but guess what? Escape from New York has some bad-dated CGI. Some of those glider, the glider crashing scene, right? Rough. Some of the miniatures stuff, stuff, and yeah, some of that stuff's a little rough. But and also, who cares? Also, so, yeah. <laughs> so there's the bad escape Still from cool. L.A. scene where he's like surfing Oof, uh, down that's the street. A tough one. Looks looks lousy as hell. Looks terrible. Guess what? The movie is hilarious. Still great. Instead of Tom Atkins, they brought in Stacy Keach. That was a good one. You know, yeah, good move. You get weird random appearances by guys like Robert Carradine. Robert Carradine calls him a shit heel in Escape from L.A. <laughs> right. I'd never heard of that before, and I was like, "What a cool, weird insult!" And fourteen-year-old uh, me isn't like Henry Fonda or <laughs> oh, there's yeah. a Fonda in uh, yeah, yeah, Escape yeah. from L.A. Fonda Buscemi's in it. Uh huh. Oh man, Escape from L.A. is good. Bruce Campbell plays a demented uh, a rodeo drive surgeon, like oh. a plastic surgeon. They all have these freakish, clownish, yeah. butt oh, yeah, faces yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's an amazing satire that I think people are like, well, that surfing scene looked like dog shit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that was the takeaway. That is a tough <laughs> that one. That was the tough part. That's a tough one. Nobody can get over that. Snake uh, being able to make uh, all the shots in basketball, I buy it. Yeah. I'll in- buy it. Instead of but fighting surfing, Ox Baker, he's just hitting half-court jumpers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's kind of the same, right? It's so good. Last time you had to wrestle a giant to death. And this now time, you're taking it from make all the way. 10 points in 10 seconds. Yeah. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> now you'll play this game of chicken. It's <laughs> pretty funny. It's so good. Pretty good. So, yeah, it, it seems ripe for a reboot. And there's enough talented genre directors with love for this character who would do it. So I can only assume that Carpenter and Russell are just like, nope, like not going to do know. it. Who knows? I Maybe. Know. I don't know. Carpenter it's a moves tough one in to mysterious say. ways, man. You know, I, I'm just for me, it wouldn't detract from this movie. Like if there was a new escape and it's not good, I don't, you know, it's yeah. not going to ruin. Yeah, The people that have their me, quote right? childhoods, it's like, no, you still have that thing. Still the coolest. You can still watch the exact same thing you love. But I do hope that they would go for maybe another city. Escape from Seattle, escape from Detroit. I think I heard there was like a escape oh, okay. from Detroit in the works. Not that's in the works, good. but like that's an idea. Escape from Seattle would be so, it's so hilly. <laughs> it's a lot It'd of hills. so annoying. A lot of fog, a lot of rain. It'd just be raining the whole time. Yeah. That'd be fun. I don't know. Escape yeah. from... Uh, but yeah, maybe uh, do Escape from New York, but it's like the ice caps have melted, so it's all flooded and... I mean, there's... Post, like, real, you know... All of, ide- that, that all of our ideas thing. are terrible. But there is a good idea out there. <laughs> hey! Somebody... <laughs> so we've established that minute. we don't know how to continue it, but somebody will have it this escape from London has fallen. <laughs> they keep getting worse. But no, <laughs> but no this was iconic. I'm, I'm so happy I got to see it in the theater. I'm so happy that Neil glad handed us before the movie to give us the chance to be like, crank it up. Turn up turn the volume. Up. It sounded great. It sounded so good. Music's great. Uh, Snake I love Bliskin this. is just one of the coolest. Kurt Russell. I mean, this really is. Thank God that Kurt Russell did this because this is kind of what made him Kurt Russell. Sure. Uh, because he was basically a, a Disney kid before this kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he yeah. was a child Just, actor. Yeah. You know, and this really like yeah, this hardened him. This this opened up a whole new 
this this allowed him to do like uh, tequila sunrise you know <laughs> classics <laughs> all the hits hey baby. man I, I i got a lot of kurt russell movies i've never heard of on laserdisc i'll bring them <laughs> yes. over anytime we'll do a russell we'll watch uh, man. mean season we'll watch uh man i got some i think mean ones. season has mean season better have season hubbly <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't man talk about a missed opportunity <laughs> but yes it has come to this it has come to this we're gonna come back with an episode that has we left a lot of allusions to this uh, episode in our escape from New York, and it's going to pay off nicely. But mm. we're going to come back with Death Race 2000. That's right, folks. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. It's come to this. Good night.